You're listening to Halfway There, podcast episode number 152, Kristen Clute and the Art of Life with God. Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm your host, Eric Nevins. As always, I am deeply grateful that you have decided to download and listen to this episode. If you're new here, welcome. This is sort of a way station on the spiritual journey, a little place to kick your feet up and hear some stories. So, uh, today, here's a couple things. I want to update you, first of all, on where we are at. I want to tell you a little bit about the content that's coming up, uh, and then I want to introduce this episode. So, um, right now, where am I at? Well, this is uh, this weekend has been kind of a tough weekend. I just want to be honest with you. There were a couple of shootings uh, throughout the, the country, one in El Paso, one in Ohio. So, if you're listening to this later in 2020 or 2021 or later, who knows, um, you'll get, this will give you a reference for when this came out, but uh, this just, this shooting thing, um, it, after, after May, when it, when a shooting affected my family, uh, I just have a whole different perspective on it and I'm, I'm grieved by it in a different way. Uh, and I am thinking about, uh, all of the people, um, not only the families, definitely the families who lost loved ones, um, but also the families of people who were nearby or who are affected. That's That was my family situation. And uh, this week, my kids go back to school, the same school where we had a shooting uh, just back in May of 2019. And it's just emotional. It's, it's uh, weirdly emotional um, because it's just a, a weird mix of, I'm so glad they're going back to school. And I'm a little, little nervous to even do that. So anyway, I, I've committed myself to just sharing and letting you guys into that. And uh, for those of you who've reached out, thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for reaching out and saying hello and uh, saying that you're praying for me and my family. I, I do appreciate that. I know that you you do pray and we can, we can sense that. So um, anyway, that's where I am. It's an interesting place to, to be. And I know that's kind of a heavy... Um, way to, to start this episode, but man, things are happening out there. Things, things have to change. I'm going to write a blog post about my thoughts on that sometime soon, because I just don't, I don't think, I don't think it can stay the same. Uh, certainly my positions on a few things are changing. Uh, but having said that, um, I want to also let you know about what's coming up on halfway there. So, um, an interesting thing has happened, over the last, let's say, year or so, I've really gotten uh, much better and able to find guests. Part of that was I went to New Media Summit uh, put on by Steve Olsher and met a bunch of people. And so that definitely increased the number of people that uh, that I had ready for you and stories I had ready to share. Uh, but also, just I've at this point networked, uh, so I know a lot of people and people have, um, when, I, when I ask, like, who should I interview? I get a lot of a lot of suggestions and introductions. And I love that. Absolutely love that. Um, if you're listening, man, I've had people reach out and go, Hey, I love your show. I'd love to be on it, man. If you're listening and you're a good fit, you think, uh, you have an interesting story. You can tell it, man, I love that too. I'd, I'd, I'd like to talk to you. Um, feel free to do that. we got some of those people coming up as well. 
Um, but having, so having said all that, um, I've also got some people that I've had on the show before coming up here that, um, they, they're doing some things that I want to tell you about. And so I've got a couple episodes coming up and then, so in the next two weeks, this is August, 2019, I've got, uh, for you two special episodes coming out. And so it's going to feel like I've put out a lot of content and I, and it is, I mean, it's, it'll be like four hours worth of content, a regular, uh, episodes, and then uh, a couple of extra conversations. But we're doing that because um, there's some really helpful helpful things that um, I think you should know about. So I just wanted you to know that and to expect uh, some extra episodes. Please, please download those, share them. Um, one of them is a conversation about beliefs with Cliff Ravenscraft, who we had on the show back in May of 2019. And then also um, a conversation about how to handle um, sexual abuse in the church uh, redemptively. So by with Mary DeMuth, she's putting out a book about that topic. And that's, that's just, uh, it's, I think it's something we need to do. And so I'm happy to help not only support her, but also um, hopefully spread the word and inspire those of you who are church leaders to uh, not just read her book, but to take um, the issue of sexual abuse and how you can handle it in your church very, very seriously. So that's my goal. I uh, hope that you guys resonate with that. If you do, man, let me know. Hey, go to halfwaytherepodcast.com and you can hit that contact button, send me an email. I would love uh, to hear that. If you want more content, you want more uh, stories, you want more topics, um, let me know. Let me know. I'd love to hear that. Okay, so there's all the business out of the way. That's a good thing. And we, we got, I got a conversation. We got a conversation we should have. Let's get to that. So today, this conversation, let me tell you um, what the best thing, the best thing about doing a podcast is getting to meet some really amazing people that just inspire you and make you want to um, follow God just a little bit more closely. And today, our guest is one of those people. Her name is Kristen Clute. She is, um, she's created this cool thing. It's called Field Guides for the Way. She'll tell us all about that. She's an author. She wrote a book called A, journey, a Good Way Through My Journey with God from Disappointment into Hope, which is a great title. So, that's enough by way of introduction. Let's just roll that conversation. Here it is, Kristen Clute and the Art of Life with God. Kristen, welcome to Halfway There. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Okay, so Kristen, uh, tell us a little bit about um, your kind of who you are and where God has you now. I primarily spend my time mothering two little boys. I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. My husband and I and our boys live in the San Francisco Bay Area. And when I am not playing with Legos and making PBJs, I am um, working in the spiritual formation world, um, which is a world I sort of stumbled into, um, which I'm sure we'll get into later. But um, I wrote A Good Way Through a few years ago, and then since then have been doing some some teaching around the idea of spiritual practice and spiritual formation. And most recently, about a year ago, my friend Stephanie and I started Field Guides for the Way. 
Yeah, which is a really interesting um, idea, and I love it as a spiritual formation practice. So you're facilitating uh, spiritual formation experiences with people through these these boxes. Yes. Um, so a, f- a field guide is essentially um, our field guides are interactive journals around a particular theme. And we um, create these kits where every season, once every three months, we release a new kit. Our summer kit um, is blessed and our fall kit will be beloved. And the kit comes with the interactive journal, which contains about 20 different invitations into spiritual practice, and then um, also the supplies that you need to accompany those practices. And really, the our idea with the kits was trying to figure out a way to invite people into spiritual practice in a way that was engaged and embodied um, and tactile, and um, in a way that they couldn't be a bystander. I think um, a lot of us, myself included, Uh, We get a lot of sense of um, accomplishment by reading in books about other people's spiritual journeys. And it can be easy to do that um, almost to the detriment of what God wants to say to us personally. Books are wonderful and they're helpful. But when they um, stay books and don't work their way into our lives, um, they can get in the way, I think, a little bit of, of the way that God forms us most yeah, I totally agree. So uh, we talked about this a little bit, um, but this show is all about the experiences of people. And I do that because I believe experience matters um, and that it actually is um, a bigger chunk of, of our journey than we give credit for. Like it's one thing to read the Bible. That's really important. And, it's, and to you know learn all the theology and whatever, that's good. But what often defines us and what we think about God is the experiences that we have with him. So you're facilitating those kinds of things. Um, with people. And I, I just think that's a really cool thing. So I know that we'll talk later about how that comes about because I know that it comes out of your, your journey. Um, and so I can't wait to, to hear all of that. So um, you grew up in Wisconsin in a Christian family. Tell us, tell us a little bit about what that was like. Yeah, I did. Um, my parents were very active in, in their church and in our church and, um, you know, more than anything, they really demonstrated what to meant what it meant um, to have a life that was focused on Jesus. Um, I'd see them up early in the morning with their Bibles open, mm. and then I would see them living their lives in a way that um, that matched the faith that they held, um, trying to live lives of of hospitality and generosity. And um, how, did, how did they demonstrate hospitality and generosity for you? You know, I can remember, this is a funny story, but um, when I was in high school, I really wanted a Jeep Grand Cherokee. I thought they were the coolest cars, and we were a one-car family um, <laughs> and drove an old station wagon. And <laughs> um, I can remember just telling my parents over and over, why can't we get one? I really want one. And finally, um, my dad said something that stopped me in my tracks. He said, if we didn't give away any money, um, we could probably buy a new Grand Cherokee every few years. And I went, oh. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And so all of a sudden it hit me that, you know, I, my parents are making conscious decisions and that's why 
we, um, you know, do what we do with our finances. It's not because they don't want me to have this cool car. Um, and then even uh, my dad's a biologist. And so a lot of the way that we lived, um, was thinking about, uh, caring for the earth and caring for creation. And that was very much a part of what it meant to live out our faith, um, was things like having one car and my dad biked to work every day of the year in Wisconsin, which is quite an accomplishment. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, things like that, the, just the, the idea that the way we live our lives holistically is part of what it means to follow Jesus. Wow. That's pretty cool that that was part of uh, your family growing up. And so I could see some of that in field guides, right? Like mm. it's very outdoorsy, naturey. Uh, Absolutely. Kind it's of, a big piece of who I am for sure. Oh, very cool. I love that. Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll get to, we'll get into more of that as well. Yeah. So, um, and you, you said that you don't remember a time when you didn't, weren't walking with Jesus. Like you didn't have him in your life. No, you know, I, I can't remember a time before Jesus. And um, so my faith journey, I don't really have one conversion story. It's a, a long story, a long journey of many small moments of, of conversion, of, of turning toward Jesus and understanding who God is in, in new or deeper ways. Yeah. So fill in for us. Um, and now we're back to where we kind of had left off, but <laughs> fill, fill in for us a little bit uh, or tell, tell us a little bit about kind of what that was like when you were, uh, you know, a, a young woman and then kind of growing up and like some of those early conversion, little conversion experiences for you. You know, I, my faith was really important to me, um, when I was young and, um, I was, I've always been really motivated by um, doing what what is right and doing what is good, and I think that that was a um, a, a good thing in my life for a really long time. Um, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, and I think um, probably my biggest conversion moment, which wasn't a conversion from um, not knowing God to knowing God, but was a conversion in the way that I understood the way that God loves me, Mm -hmm. um, happened when I was a young adult. Um, We moved from Wisconsin, we being my husband and I, we graduated from college, got married right away, and moved across the country all in one summer. And, um, you know, up until that point, I... And even as we made those transitions, I felt like my my plan for my life was kind of clipping along even better than I expected. I didn't think I'd get married right out of college, but here I found this wonderful life partner. And um, I got my dream job teaching middle school. And um, my faith was a part of my life. We were, you know, it took us a little while to find a church when we moved, but we found this wonderful little church that we were able to get involved with right away. And um, it was a church that really cared about the neighborhood and a neighborhood we ended up moving to um, a little further away from the seminary that my husband went to. And um, and yet my, my time with God, um, it was good, but it looked very similar most of the time. I would um, read my Bible one chapter at a time or on a busy day, maybe take a break at one of those section headings that was, that was allowed. Um, and <laughs> my prayer life was, like was mostly a monologue for me to God. You know, I was, again, I was a perfectionist. I, I wanted to do things the right way. And I felt like there was a right way to spend time with God. 
um, which meant reading more than one verse at a time or, you know, things like that. Right. Well, um, my, th- those are the things we receive, right? Those are the things yeah. like we, we get that sort of read your Bible and pray every day, do this, do this stuff. And so you were, you were doing it. You were like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm in, I'm right. doing it. Absolutely. I was a big journaler. So I wrote in my journal a lot, incomplete sentences on a journal with lines. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> I wanted to do things the right way. And that worked well for me for a lot of years. Um, and then we, about three years, four years into marriage, um, when we decided we were ready to grow our family, things shifted a little bit. Uh, we had this great plan. Uh, we were going to I was a teacher, so we were going to time the birth just right for spring break. So I'd have the rest of the year off and then the summer to figure out if I wanted to go back to teaching or not. And uh, (laughs) growing a family never seems to work quite how you expect. And um, it didn't for us. And so month after month went by and we still weren't pregnant. Uh, I fell into depression. Around the same time, one of my closest friends walked away from our friendship, partly because of the heaviness of what I was going through and where she was at. Um, And so I felt like all of these things I relied on were being stripped away. My emotional health, my plan for my life. Um, I knew that God loved me, but I didn't feel that. I felt like God was angry with me because I wasn't handling this better. I was a person of faith. I shouldn't be Mm. so rocked by these circumstances. Yeah. Uh, As if you couldn't, you couldn't have sorrow about what was happening. You couldn't feel badly about it. You should just have joy all the time. Is that what you were thinking? You know, I, I think I just didn't know how, I didn't know how to grieve. I didn't Uh. know what it looked like to be, to be sad with God. And I was afraid of, the darkness inside of me. I didn't, for, for a while, I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to look at it too closely. It felt big and scary. And I was afraid of what I would find if I spent time um, uncovering it. Yeah. Interesting. And so is that because you didn't have like good models of what that looked like? Or is it because you never heard I've it in church? I've been really happy. For, yeah, well, <laughs> which is awesome. That, like that's great. great. Yeah, yeah. I just I hadn't experienced a whole lot of hardship up uh, until that point. Yeah, and so you know it. I just didn't know what to do. I um, I knew that what I was doing wasn't working, but I didn't know what else was out there. Yeah, and so um, it it took me a little while, but um. I started therapy. That was a big help um, to me in that season. And I can remember distinctly, probably the second or third time I saw this counselor, she um, said to me, the, it seems like your God is very angry. Mm. And I got really defensive right away. And I said, no, no, God isn't angry. God is loving. God is kind. And then I sort of stopped and thought, well, yes, I know those things are true. But the God that I fear that is in my head right now is angry. And I had confused my own inner critic with the voice of God. And it took me a really long time to, to untangle that and to recognize that, um, the, the way that I spoke to myself in my mind, um, it wasn't God and it wasn't even all of me. It was just part of me that was so critical and angry and that, um, there were other parts of me that were they were tender and, and needed caring for. And um, so it, it really started me on this journey of discovering 
spiritual practice in a completely new way. I knew I still wanted to pray and read my Bible, but what I learned was that there are about a thousand different ways to do that. Yeah. So did you make a conscious decision to go, I'm going to find something else? You know, that's a great question. I think it was less find something else and more find something more. Yeah. Um, And so it it began with... um, for me, it began with discovering creativity, and um, I I had never really considered myself an artist. Um, but I this one summer, I I thought, well, um, I'm going to try just once a day reading a poem. I've always loved poetry, and had also around this time started dabbling in writing poetry. That was another creative practice that became really. Um, beneficial to me. But I started reading one poem a day and listening for one phrase of that poem that stood out to me. And then I'd write it in this little journal and do a watercolor painting that had to do with it. Um, Basically, I was doing Lexio Divina with poetry, but I didn't know that Lexio Divina was a thing. (laughs) Oh, very cool. Yeah, friends. So Lexio Divina is just spiritual reading. It's like meditating on scripture. It's a process for doing that. So the process you were using involved watercolor and poetry. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. So I started doing that and um, I shared it with this friend of mine, Stephanie, who's now my co-creator of Field Guides. And she was actually going through infertility at the same time that I was. And we'd known mm. each other for years, but we'd never been close. She was another teacher at the same school that I taught at. And so I showed her what I was doing and she said, I want to do that. And so we ended up doing it together. And it was just this really profound um, beginning to what became a really deep spiritual friendship between the two of us as we discovered that that God could speak to us in watercolor and poetry um, and in reading our Bibles a little bit differently than we had before. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about reading our Bibles a little bit differently than how we have before. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I, this is one of my things, right. I just, mm-hmm. I love it. Um, cause it, for me too, it was a moment when I realized, Hey, maybe this is different. Maybe, maybe what I'm supposed to get out of this is different than the three points in a poem that I've been kind of studying for 15 years, right. Yeah. Trying to be a pastor. Maybe there's something I'm supposed to learn about God here. And so, um, I'm curious about for you, like how, what is, what form did that take? Maybe how did that kind of, as you're doing this, doing this practice, you started to go a little further. Like how, how'd that develop? Yeah. You know, I, I grew up with, um, a lot of instruction in, in Bible study, you know, reading right. the, a study Bible and have, you know, learning the history and, um, context. And I think all of that is really important. I don't want to say that that's not worth doing because it absolutely is. But, um, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is to slow down and that, um, God's, God's spirit speaks to us in unique ways when we spend time in scripture. Um, but I, I was struck the other day when I was reading in the book of John, um, when Jesus is, telling his disciples about the spirit coming. And he says, I have so much more to tell you, much more than you can now bear, but the spirit that I'm bringing you will lead you into all truth. And so that, I feel like that puts, um, you know, a little bit of context to this because 
the Bible was written in a particular time in history to a particular group of people. It was written for us, but not to us. And there were things about um, God and about who people are, are and how we interact with God that, that the people in that time and context couldn't bear quite yet. But God's spirit is continuing to mm. reveal that to us. And I think when we read the Bible with that in mind, um, God's spirit can whisper things to us through the words of the Bible that, um, that are unique and that um, fit our lives. And that it's not just about figuring out exactly what the pieces of that puzzle mean, but how one piece of that puzzle fits into our experience and our context right now. And so um, a lot of times for me, that looks like just slowing way down when I read scripture. Somebody said to me mm. in a workshop once that she said, before I start reading, I ask God to stop me. And so she said, then I read until I feel like I'm supposed to stop. And that might be one word or that might be a chapter. Um, but when something jumps out that I want to really ponder, I do that. And, and so I've started thinking about that as I read and I read through the Psalms. It took me probably nine months to get through them. And nice. that was because I was reading so slowly. And there are certain verses that I just come back to and back to and back to and end up memorizing. Um, not because I feel like I'm supposed to memorize scripture, which is why I used to memorize it, but because they feel so profound and they speak so deeply to what my soul yeah. needs from God in that moment. Man, I found that too. So like last year I spent all the whole year in Mark. Mm. That was just it. Just kept going back over and over again. So I, I resonate mm -hmm. with that a lot. This year's Jeremiah. That's a lot harder. That's a tough book. Yeah. I don't know why I chose that one. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's that practice of just taking a small chunk, right? Going through it, letting God speak to you, um, you know, and sometimes things jump out at, at you later, right? That you're not even, oh, yeah. if you're just taking something and you're letting it just stew in the back of your mind, I think that's the practice of meditation that, um, mm -hmm. man, a lot of us really benefit from if we just let ourselves do it. It doesn't have to look a certain way. We don't have to have 12 questions we have to answer about uh, a chapter, right. right? It's okay to just let it percolate within your soak. spirit. Yeah. yeah. Soak. I love the word soak. That's great. Mm -hmm. Just let me get into it like a, like a hot tub, right? And just let it yeah. soak in. Yeah. That's right. And for me, I love, you know, that idea of meditation. And I think that's another thing that I thought meditation was supposed to look, look a certain way. Like, okay, right. just say it over and over again, silently in your head with your eyes closed. Um, but for me, meditation looks like art a lot of the time because I, my thoughts are more still when my hands are busy. And so that means playing with watercolor or um, lately I've been really drawn to collage, I think because it's so easy. So I'll sit down with a magazine and just tear out a few pages that have pictures that I like. And sometimes I know why, because they connect with something that God is speaking to me about. And sometimes I don't know why. And then I'll just keep them handy. And when I'm reading a verse and a phrase jumps out, I'll write it in my journal and then I'll glue a picture in with it. And then it becomes this sort of visual representation of what my prayer is and what I'm meditating on. Yeah. Okay. So I love all that because that is like right where I live. I uh, Just hmm. the the idea of doing these spiritual practices and, and uh, letting God speak to us. 
Uh, so these are some of the things you were doing as you were wrestling with God through infertility going, I don't get this. I don't understand. Right. So you started to discover those things. Yes. Where'd that lead? That led to a profound belief. And I mean, wholehearted, um, belief in God's love for me. Mm. I think, um, Jared Boyd said in a talk I heard recently that it's really important we begin at the beginning, which is that God made us good. Yeah. And I think um, for a long time, I sort of skipped over that part and started with I am a sinner. Yep. And that's not a good place to begin. I think when we begin with our belovedness, it shapes everything else um, so powerfully. And I think it's, it began with just um, believing that God, because of these practices, because I was spending time with God in a way that felt gentle instead of so serious and intense, I started to believe that God was speaking to me out of a place of love instead of out of a place of anger. And that profoundly shifted um, the way that I feel about my faith. My, my belief system, my thoughts about my faith have stayed more or less the same through all of this, but the way that I feel about it, the way that mm. I engage and practice my faith has shifted. Yeah, your experience changed. Absolutely. And that has um, really shaped me into being a far more grounded, rooted human um, than I've ever been before because I believe that God primarily looks on me with love. Um, instead of with anger. And um, I think for me, poetry and art were a great way to enter into that because um, art is a way that we can express the inexpressible. And I, I didn't have to be linear in the way that I was talking to God and in the way that I was listening to God. And so um, there was just a new depth. Mm. Like you said, you know, if we meditate on one verse, more and more un- meaning can unfold over time. Yeah. And I found that that soaking in scripture and soaking in the truth of my belovedness to be really formative. Yeah. Okay. So you said earlier, you're a bit of a perfectionist. Yeah. How does that relate to the art? You know, that's a great question. I think, um, the art has allowed me to let go of a lot of the perfectionism because I've realized that art, art is communication. It doesn't have to be beautiful. It doesn't have to be perfect. Mm. It can be messy. Um, we have a membership to the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art and you walk in there and some of it's beautiful and a lot of it's not. Some of the, <laughs> I mean, it's profound and it's deep, but some of those spaces are even hard for me to be in because they're art about some really difficult times in history or things happening in the world that are hard to look at, but they communicate truth. And so for me, art is less about creating a product and more a language with which I can speak to God and listen to God. And gosh, I could talk about art and creativity all day because we are made in the image of a creator God. And so creativity is part of what it means to be human. It's part of what it means to be made in the image of God. And I think 
that can yeah. look a thousand different ways, but we're all creative. Totally. I love that. So I was at uh, the Society for Biblical Literature had their convention here in Denver this year. And I was there and I was talking to this PhD student about creativity and he was, he was really interesting. You know, it's a very heady place, right? They're all a bunch of yeah. like, these guys. Oh, yeah. So, um, he, he was doing like a thesis or something. I can't even remember on, uh, like Genesis 11 or something. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, I said, just what you just said, like, we're, mm-hmm. we're creative. Like I love the, I'm getting into creative stuff and that's the image of God. And, and he totally disagreed. He's like, I don't think there's a very good view of creativity in the early part of, uh, of Genesis. I don't think God looks very kindly on creativity. Yeah. I went, dude, are you kidding? No, God doesn't look kindly on rebellion, right? On replacing him. He loves creativity. He made us to be created, right? The first thing he tells Adam and Eve is go and what, care for the garden. That's going to, and Adam goes and names all the animals. It's creative, mm-hmm. right? He's coming up and God invites him into that. And that, that's such a weird, but I bring that up because I think it's a, it's a really, it's one of those things that's out there, right? As a, as a, sometimes mm-hmm. we struggle with creativity or, you know, we, we look at the people who are creatives and they're weird, right? They're willing to be weird. They got purple hair or they have, you know, piercings all over their face or whatever. Right. And we're, we get a little, we get a little, feel, feel strange, but what does it look like if we embrace our inner creative and we let God speak to us in that way, in a nonlinear way? I love that you said that. Cause I, I think that's true. It lets your, your hands are moving and your mind can commune with God in a different kind of way. What if we did that? What if we did that more? And it sounds like that was really, um, meaningful for you and, and moved you closer to God. Absolutely. You know, John O'Donohue says that everyone in, is an artist. Everyone brings sound out of silence and makes the invisible visible. And I love mm. that definition of artistry because we all do. We, we're artists with our lives. We make God's invisible love visible in the world. And that is creativity. And um, I think God meets us in really unique ways when we when we enter the world with a posture of creativity and with that idea that we're the hands and feet of Jesus. And so we get to make God's invisible justice, invisible truth, invisible grace, invisible love visible by mm. the way that we move into the world. Yeah. And creativity is I could I could go on and on all day, but it's a, love it. it's an act of you know holding entropy at bay because we're making something, we're fighting death and destruction by making something new. It's about freedom and it's about resurrection. We get to participate in God's kingdom coming, and yeah. creativity is part of that. It's incarnational, absolutely. Right? It's in it's putting God and His Spirit into the world in ways that it wasn't, well, I guess he's always there, but you know what I'm saying? Like in ways that it wasn't represented yeah. at least before. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, and even Jesus was a carpenter. I mean, yeah. it doesn't get much better than that. Right. Right. He made things with his hands. And- I love that. Anytime I do a woodworking project, I'm thinking about that, even though, yeah. I don't know, he might've been a Mason. We don't, it's, it's weird, but we, we can talk about well, that. Yeah. He made things <laughs> with his hands. He know? did. He was a worker. That's for sure. Yes, absolutely. Uh, awesome. Okay. So you, so eventually though, you, you mentioned that you have, kids and your, your mom. So how, how this thing, how this thing resolve? And then what was that like spiritually? That's a great question. You know, I, um, so I eventually did become pregnant. Um, and it was this interesting moment of wrestling because I felt like 
of course I was happier. You know, I got what I wanted. And yet, um, I, I wrestled a little bit with that because I thought, um, what, what would I have done if I hadn't gotten what I wanted? And would I, you know, have been able to move through this depression well. And um, my friend Stephanie, who I mentioned earlier, she and I really bonded through infertility. And um, she actually still does not have kids. And um, I say that here because it's a a story she's shared publicly um, with me before. And she said to me in that moment um, that, you know, you, you have met God way before you became pregnant. God has been working in you and shaping you and changing you. And, and if your circumstances change again and you experience hardship, which I did not too long after that, um, those things that you've learned will still be true. And, you know, I, I think, um, kind of the place that I, I landed with all of that is that the beauty of God's faithfulness was not in the fact that I got what I wanted because we don't mm. always get what we want. But God was faithful because God used my circumstances to change me and to transform me. And Stephanie and I, whose journeys diverged in terms of our circumstances, both got this profound, deep, um, embodied, tangible belief in God's love for us. We got to experience that love and transformation because we were willing to enter that darkness in that season. And that is why God is faithful because God will show up with us there and walk with us in that and transform us and bring goodness out of it. Um, And so it really um, going through that really transformed the way that I experience um, and practice my faith. I, um, even though right now life is pretty good. Um, I still feel like I, I need that time of, of soaking in scripture, of being creative, of spending time in nature, um, mindfully aware of God's presence and the way God is moving. And um, I've noticed that while I still, of course, struggle when something hard happens, um, I'm not as rocked to my core as I once was because I believe so much more deeply in God's love for me. And that is a foundation that, that Mm. I can work from, um, much more readily than a foundation of God's anger because I'm not doing things right. Yeah. And so you use the word believe there, but I, you experienced Mm -hmm. God's faithfulness. That's a better word. And Mm -hmm. I think it was, well, I mean, I'm not criticizing your word choice. I just think, (laughs) I'm, I think there's a point to be made, right? Because our, yeah. our experience, um, so much of our faith is actually built on our experience. And I think we see that in scripture as well. Like even the apostles, right? Well, they all had experience with Jesus, but then they had, I'm, for some reason, I'm thinking of Peter, right? He has this vision of the sheet coming down with all the animals, right? Mm-hmm, I mean, that's mm-hmm. a pretty big deal to change your uh, the way you're going to eat or what you're going to allow, right? Like, oh, yeah. especially if you're a Jew, Based on a vision, right? Based on an experience like that, not on something tangible or like, oh, this is what God wrote. Um, Anyway, that's maybe an aside. But the experience of feeling God's love when when you didn't know if He should be there, right? Mm -hmm. When you Mm -hmm. uh, change the way that you trust Him, and so when you trust Him, when you enter into other hard experiences. You go in with that kind of in the in your gut instead of a like, what if God doesn't show up view, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. It's more of a, well, let me look and see how God's going to show up. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. very true. Interesting. Okay. I think that's important. So I hope our friends, guys, I hope you're listening, like take that, take that for what it's worth. It's your experience matters so much and don't let anybody tell you that it doesn't um, and pursue him. Okay. Um, so where, so what happened, what happened next? Like, I, I don't know. So you eventually started the the field guides. I would love to talk about those more cause I just think they're really cool. Yeah. So, um, after when my oldest son was about a year old, um, I, on February 18th, I woke up at 4 a.m. and I knew I needed to write a book. Um, and that is not how I operate. I knew I wanted to become an English teacher when I was 12. And then I, you know, set my plan and I followed the steps and I became a teacher. I am not a spontaneous person, never thought of myself as an entrepreneur, never thought I would be a writer or an author. Um, so I immediately dismissed it. Um, but my husband said, I think you should give this some thought. Um, I think we could do this. And so I, it was another, I think, you know, looking back, another of those sort of conversion moments, um, Mm. entering into a space of, of risk and trying new things. Um, and as a perfectionist, I don't like doing new things unless I'm immediately good at them. <laughs> right. So, That's so hard, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> oh, new things are the worst. So, <laughs> you know, learning, um, being willing to step out and write this book and um, was was a huge step of faith for me. And, you know, working from that, that experience of God's love, it was like exercising that trust I had found in a new way. And so the book um, came out. Uh, about two and a half years ago now. And, um, we moved uh, right around that time before the book was published up to the Bay area. Um, and so, you know, all of these transitions and shifts, um, I felt like my, my spiritual practice had to keep shifting and, and changing, but I was getting better at recognizing that. Um, so for example, I had been spending, six minutes in silence every day, um, which may not sound like a lot, but is a lot when you have a one-year-old at home. Yep, it is. (laughs) And so um, I'd I'd been doing that up until about the time that we um, made the decision to move to the Bay Area. And then all of a sudden, my mind could not quiet down. I just couldn't figure out how to spend six minutes in silence. And so I went back to that um, art practice, so it looked a little bit different, and um, started doing either watercolor or drawing with markers or um, things like that during my six minutes of silence. And all of a sudden I was able to be um, more present and um, more attentive to what God might be saying because my hands were busy. So that's a little bit of an aside, but um, I, so the book came out and um, we were living in the Bay area where we are now. And um, after, you know, the, hype about the book, it had, had died down a little bit, even just personally, it was uh, moving more toward the back of my mind. I was trying to figure out how do I continue to invite people into spiritual practice? I know I don't have another book in me. I haven't lived enough more life yet to have something to write about. And yet I, um, I knew, cause I heard people say this a lot, the first two thirds of a good way through our memoir and then the last third is a guide into different spiritual practices that came up throughout the book. And I knew that a lot of people were reading the memoir and getting this great sense of closure. And they would tell me, I loved it. I can't wait to get 
back to the spiritual practices. And then they often would do what I do, which is put the book back on the shelf and forget about it. <laughs> right. Have something else. And so I was trying to figure out how do we, how do I um, continue to invite people into dynamic spiritual practice in a way that they cannot be a bystander, but they have to dive in. And so that was how Field Guides was born. Um, my husband was getting a coffee subscription at the time, and he said, well, what if you did something like this but for spiritual practice? And I gave that some thought, and I called my friend Stephanie, and um, we called Field Guides our friendship baby because yeah, it was, it's just like birthed out of this deep spiritual friendship that we have and the, the discoveries we've made about um, – our belovedness and about spiritual practice um, as we've continued to be friends. And when I moved to the Bay Area, we started writing letters and, um, you know, not emails, but actual physical letters, kind of the stamp. Um, and so that's, that's pretty cool. A really important part of our journey. And that's why Field Guides is tangible. We knew we wanted something that we could send to people that they could hold in their hands um, because that had been so important to us. Isn't it interesting how the tangible thing just changes everything? Like it, it, really it engages is. your whole person in a different way. It it really does. I um a pastor named Mandy Smith, she's in Cincinnati. Um she writes about how Jesus, you know, didn't just tell us that he loved us, he lived it and yeah. died it. And how when when we create or when we do something tangible, it gets our, our muscles and our nerves involved in our prayer. And she compares it to if there's a child who's scared, you could either tell them, it's okay, it's okay with your words, or you can put them in a warm bath and wrap them in a towel and their, their right. muscles and their nerves will sense calm way before their ears would have processed all your talk. And I love that metaphor wow. because I think that you're right, that tangible tactileness is is so important. Wow. Boy, I love that. Okay, so give us an idea of what we get. Like if we if if I signed up, which I I need to do. I will do. Uh mm-hmm. but if I sign up for a field guide, what happens? What do I get? That's a great question. So we um we open pre-orders um every few months about um a month or two before the kits are actually shipped out um, because we pack every single kit by hand in my dining room. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so we do, you do the order first. So right now, um, as we're doing this interview, it's May and our order window is open for our summer kit. In a few weeks, that'll close and our, our fall kit will be ready to order. And um, there's three options. We have the kit, which is the full kit option. It um, comes with the Field Guide, which is an interactive journal um, that has four movements around that particular theme, starting with the first movement is called Plant, where you're just planting the seed of the idea. The next one is Sprout, and the next one is Root, and the last one is Reach. So we follow this sort of organic growth yeah. pattern with the idea that we need to root in something before we're able to really reach out um, and offer that to others. And so each movement, there's four in a kit, um, comes with usually five or six invitations to practice. There's stories, there's poetry, there's reflection questions, there's invitation, invitations to go out and look at the stars or to um, 
play with paint or crayons. Um, and so the full kit comes with all of the supplies that you need to do the various practices. We also um, offer a, just the interactive journal version or a digital download of the journal for people who might just be looking to get a taste for it or maybe if they have a lot of their own supplies and don't want to purchase those as well, um, we have those options. Very cool. And uh, people can get that at fieldguidesfortheway.com. Yes. If they want to pick that up. Yeah, friends, if you're interested in something a little more tangible, a little more uh, maybe reflective than your traditional do-it-forever Bible study, um, you can get that at Field Guides for the Way. So very, very cool. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I I hope that... uh, I hope that my friends here will will pick it up, and I definitely uh, it's part of my mission too to encourage contem- contemplative practice. So, we like to talk about field guides as if they're they're a container, they're they're like a, a bucket to, that that holds space for um, what the spirit wants to speak to you. Mm. So the the field guides themselves are they're not the content; they're a tool, and the yeah. content is really what's happening with you and God in that experience in that space. Right. Absolutely. Wow. I love that. I love what God's done. I love what you've done with what God's done in your life. I think that's pretty cool. And you've found a way to um, spread that out and, and encourage other people as well. I have no doubt that many um, are furthered in their relationship with Jesus because of these things. So uh, that's, that's a great work. Um, Anything you want to leave us with Kristen? Maybe just to reiterate the kind of the two things that we've talked about that feel the most important to me. Um, One is that we begin with belovedness. Um, God created us in God's image and called us good. And belovedness is our starting place. It's our home. It's the water we swim in. Um, We live and move and have our being within just this vast ocean of God's love. And so um, as you... Listeners, um, our journeying with God, um, trust that. Trust that as you step out in faith and meet with God, that God is holding you in love and that um, and that you can't get it wrong. That um, And that's the second thing really is I, I think we're invited to risk and to um, try things. And Jesus invites us over and over. Paul says to put my words into practice. He doesn't say get it all right. He says practice. Um, and so our life with God is about practice. And practice is what shapes us. Our experience shapes us. And as we trust in God to form us, um, we can practice and try things and take risks with the trust that that our transformation is not up to us, that God is faithful to shape us into the people that we are intended to be. Amen. And he does that when we encounter him, right? He changes us. Yeah. Wow. Kristen, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. Thanks.